Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, the opportunity to worship you in giving. Now, as we look into your word, we ask that it will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that we will grow thereby. We thank you for all that have gathered here via uh, the internet and those that have come into the sanctuary. We ask that you will bless them and keep them in all things. We bless you, God, for this day. It's a day that you have made, and we have come to rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are starting a brand new series. A brand new series. This series is called Family Five. Family Five. I know last week I said that we were going to talk about Jacob, but, you know, sometimes you can keep talking about things that people are doing wrong, and it can just become monotonous. Um, so I wanted us to um, focus on what right looks like <laughs> uh, so that we can begin to work toward what right looks like instead of focusing on how everybody don't look right. Uh, as we talked about before, the, the best way to understand if something is a counterfeit, what they teach at the Treasury Department, they teach people the significance of the real monies. And so we want to have that same type of thing. We want to look at the right way. What does the right way look at and how do we get there and make sure that we're operating in that? Okay, hold on. And so, with that being said, the whole, the whole, this series is called Family Five, and it is the, the five foundations of a healthy family. The five foundations of a healthy family. And of course, this is that day. One more second. Bless you, and my tablet is on a do loop. It's still running. All right, so I'll just do it from my head instead of my notes. So what I want, what my whole goal in this is, I wanted to talk about the family. And when we talk about the family, and especially when we start talking about a healthy family, I want to start this off by emphasizing the fact that a healthy family is not based upon any type, necessarily a type of configuration of family. I'm gonna say that again. A healthy family is not based upon necessarily a specific configuration of the family. But what is based upon is based upon the actions of the parental units or the oversight or the managerial units 
of that family. We today, uh, back when um, the, the 60s, most families were, had two parents, the, the, uh, the father went out and he worked, uh, the mother stayed home, did all the things, and you know, and we don't, we don't operate like that today. Somebody say amen. Amen. <laughs> We're not even close a lot of times to acting like that today. In fact, uh, in one of the movies I was wa uh, one of the movies that I have seen, the movie Eight Mile. Um, I remember that uh, the last in the last rap scene, the argument was. They was making fun of, of, of Clarence because Clarence's parents were still together and they had a real good marriage. And it was actually in that situation, it was actually a put down because they had a traditional family structure. But it, it doesn't matter the structure, to be honest with you. What matters is the execution of how we example to the next generation of how to continue on in life. If we focus on the fact that I don't have, then we teach our children to look for or to expect something to come to them. But if we teach them how they are empowered in order to move forward and that they have within them gifts from God in order to move forward, then their perception is, I have to go out here, I have to acknowledge God, and God will lead me and guide me. I ain't gonna get nothing help with that, but that's okay because I want us to understand that the healthiness is not in our ability to complain. The healthiness is in the fact that there is a situation, but I'm not gonna dwell on the situation. I'm gonna dwell on the fact that God can and will open up opportunities and doors for me to do what is necessary in order to go forward. And so when we walk in this, the first, uh, go ahead and go to the next slide, baby. What is that, the definition? All right, let's, do, let's go ahead and knock out these definitions real quick. So the first definition is the foundation. A foundation is that upon which anything is founded, that on which anything stands, and by which it is supported. The lowest and supporting layer of a superstructure, groundwork, or basis. So we're talking about what are those foundational things that make up a healthy family. Next one, please. Next one is healthy, being in a state of health, enjoying health, holly, uh, which means happy, sound, free from disease. Next one, please. Family, a group of individuals living under one roof and usually under one head. The group comprising a husband and wife and their dependent children, constituting a fundamental unit in the organization of society. Next one, please. So our whole purpose, our whole point today is the first foundation that we want to establish is that a family to be healthy has to put God first. The first thing that we have to do, we have to put God first. The only way that 
the next generation can know to put God first is if it's been example to them to put God first. But if you are not putting God first, then they're going to follow, as we've seen with Isaac, as he did the same thing that Abraham did, because that's all he knew to do. Then we have to change. We have to get God's uh, interaction into our lives to change what it is and how it is we're doing business. So in order for us to get to the point where we are putting God first in our environment, we have to put God first. So if we put him first, then guess what? Everything else falls into place. Why? Because he is the creator of all things. He is the one that has placed everything in its proper order. And when we do things God's way, we get God's results. So if we put God first, then guess what? Everything happens in the results of how God has designed for it to happen. My scripture uh, is coming from Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Starting at the first verse, I'm doing all this out of memory, y'all. I, I, my, my, my tablet's going. Okay. So it says this. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now we're going to jump down to the 14th verse. When they came to the place of which, I'm sorry, the ninth verse. When they came to the place of which Abraham had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and beheld, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Next, we're going to Luke, the 14th chapter, starting at the 25th verse. It says, now great crowds accompanied him, Jesus, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? 
Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or that king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet away, great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So when we look at the Old Testament example, and then when we hear Jesus in the New Testament, the one thing is clear. God wants you to put him first. We see that Isaac, who was the promise to the old man Abraham. Old man. The promise. And God says, are you willing to give up the promise to prove your love for me? And as we can see, it happened. Jesus is walking with his thousands and thousands of folks. And now Jesus is, is beginning to cause people to see that it's not just about following me with your actions, but it's about following me with your heart. And he says, listen, if you want to follow me, you got to hate your mother. You got to hate your father. You got to hate your sister. You got to hate your brother. You got to hate everybody. You gotta hate yourself. Now, we have taken the word hate and, and thought that it meant to, to, to totally dislike, but what he's saying is that there has to be something that you like even greater, and in comparison, it looks like you don't have the same level of love for that item. Because he's told the, the, listen, the first commandment with promise is what? Honor your father and your mother. So he's not going to go against the, com the commandment, correct? So, so don't think you now you're supposed to call your parents and say, I hate you. That's not what he's trying to say. That's, that's not what he's trying to say. He's saying that your pursuit of carrying your cross, your responsibility of putting God first in your life should be such that everybody knows, hey, if it's about, if it's about Jesus, if it's about him serving God, I ain't got nothing to say. Jesus even proved that because when they say, hey, Jesus, your mom, your family's outside. He says, who's my mother and father? But those that worship and serve the Lord God. And so we have to understand the same fact that our putting God first has to be to the point, has to be pointing out, has to be established to show that he is first in our lives. Now, as a family, how do we establish this type of thing? How do we put this type of thing up? You know, we have babies, we have toddlers, we have children, we have tweens, yeah, tweens, then we have teenagers, then we have young adults, then we have, well, young adults think they're old adults, but they're still young adults, and then you have the adults, and then you have the parents, and then they have, and then you have the grand. There is this different phases of life that we go through as a family. And so what we have to do is we have to look at 
what it is I want my family to focus on. What it is that I want my family to be established in. What is the priority of my family? Is the priority of my family to everyone become a doctor, a lawyer, or an Indian chief? Is the priority of my family for them to make sure that they know how to turn the television so that it's on the right channel while I'm sitting there watching TV? Oh, we don't have to do that no more. I had a flashback. I apologize. All right. So what we have to do is we have to have a plan of execution for how we want to put God first in our family. There's a saying that if you fail to plan, then your plan is to fail. Another person said that if you do not set a goal, you will hit the mark every time. And so we want to establish a direction. We want to be able to say, this is the goal for my family. Now, let me, let me say this part. When we are changing the culture of our family, you are going to get resistance. You're going to get folks to say, I don't want to do this. I don't like to do this. I hate you for doing this. They're going to do whatever they can say in order to cause you to lose focus and to lose course. I don't know how many of y'all ever had to be on a weight control program. I know some folks call them diets. But in order for you to reach your goal some days, you got to talk to yourself and tell yourself, I got to keep going. Because you get up in the morning and you're feeling pretty good and it's going along nice and well and you go to work and they bring in a fresh out of the oven Krispy Kreme donuts and they set them right next to your desk and the Krispy Kreme grow arms and legs and a head and walk up and stand on your keyboard and look at you and say, how you doing today? And you're like, get away from me, donut. And the donut's saying, come on, let's have a conversation. And you say, you know what, I ain't going to talk to you. And you just grab him and eat him so he can shut him up and keep him from talking to you. But there's things that are going to come and try to pull you off of your course. And this is the thing. This is how uh, I wanted to, this is the point that I wanted to bring up about being healthy. Being healthy means that even though I come off a course sometimes, I know where I need to be and I maneuver myself back to that location so I can continue in the direction that's necessary. We have found out that when you set a goal, you don't learn as much from accomplishing the goal as you do from not accomplishing the goal. I want to rest, let that rest with you for a minute. You learn more from when you don't accomplish the goal than when you accomplish the goal. If your goal is to lose, I'm, I'm, I apologize, I'm stuck on weight right now. If, you, if your goal is to lose five pounds and you lose 
three, and then you find them three, and then you lose two, and then four show up because the two doubled on you. You then have to say, okay, I'm not hitting this. What is it that I'm going doing wrong? And then you find out that you are sleepwalking in the middle of the night and making a Dagwood, y'all might not know this, making a Dagwood sandwich. Dagwood was a, a comic strip uh, character who used to make sandwiches this tall. And he would eat it all himself. And you getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning, eating that sandwich and going back to bed and saying, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. But you keep forgetting about your sleepwalking and you eating that sandwich. And then you have to realize, okay, I need to put a lock on the refrigerator. I need to do something to change from this because I'm not being successful. I'm not reaching the goal. The same thing with the family. I'm not saying putting God first means that you need to put a, a podium in your living room and preach every day to the family about the word of God. What I'm saying is that putting God first means that when situations arise that you say, okay, we need to pray about this. We need to seek God about this. And you have everybody surround the situation. You have the little people that don't, that don't know too much about praying. You just say, okay, just be quiet for a minute. We're going to pray about this as a family. And as you start doing those type of things, it shows that you acknowledge God in all your ways. And when you acknowledge God in all your ways, he directs your path. We example what we expect. We expect our children to put God first. Well, if you expect your children to put God first, then guess what you got to do? Oh, y'all not want to talk to me. You got to put God first. They're going to example what you put forth. Now, you can tell them all day put God first, but when that pink letter comes in the mail and you sitting there crying and you giving up and you all that, that's what they're going to see and then that's what they're going to do. But when you say, Lord, you see this, you know I need this money and then they see the money come in to pay that bill and then they're like, oh, okay. They trust God for everything. And when they get in that same type of situation wherever it is in their lives, they will say, I remember. I remember. I remember. And they will reflect off that memory and they will do what they have saw, seen, example. And so with that and understanding that, it is the responsibility of the whole family to put God first. But it has to be a uh, priority in the family to Put God first. So I'm not going to tell you that you need to have a 45-minute Bible study every day. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to tell you any of those things. What I'm going to tell you is the fact that you have to seek out how, the direction that God has for you to go. The Bible says that you should train a child up in the way that he should go. When he gets old, he will not depart from it. Now, what I, I, I have to go to this really quick, and then we're going to call it a day. When the Bible is saying that, it's talking about the way that God designed for him to go, not the way that you want him to go. 
There are people that I personally know that are lawyers, that are doctors, that are professionals, and they hate their job. They hate their lives because they didn't get a chance to do what they really wanted to do because mom and dad said, this is what you're going to do, and they are miserable. And they have so much respect because that's what they were taught to respect their parents, that they will live in misery because they love their parents so much. But see, that's not how God wants this thing to work. What God wants you to live is an abundant life, and you can only live that abundant life through him. And if I teach my household how to put God first, then when they put God first, then what God says overrides what anything else that I could try to say. I think you should be a doctor, but if God says that person is supposed to be a missionary in uh, uh, Antarctica, then guess what? You, you better learn how to stay in the cold weather, baby. So we have to be attuned to the voice of God. We have to show what it's like to listen to the voice of God. The best time for us to realize where we are with God is when we are going through situations. When we are frustrated, when we are mad, when we are disgusted, when we are ready to fight somebody, do we put God first? Or we say, hey God, go stand over there. God, walk around that corner for just about five seconds. If you can walk around that corner for five seconds, it'll be all good. I ain't telling y'all what I thought. I'm telling y'all what I said a couple of times. Lord, if you could just walk around that, he said, I ain't going nowhere. Well, I guess I, hmm. Yeah, I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta act a certain way now. Because when we don't put God first, we always resort back to our old way. When you don't put God first, you resort back to your old way. But if you're putting God first, he causes the mind renewal that is necessary for you to live in the fact that I'm putting God first. And then when I acknowledge him, he directs my path and he gets glorified in all of that. So, to, so as we go through this series, I just want to encourage you that the first foundation is putting God first. The first foundation, putting God first. I want to remind those that are watching that our, all this is significant in that we have to have Jesus in our lives. And Jesus made it so clear that it has to look as if everything else doesn't matter to you when you are focusing on doing the will of God. It has to appear. It doesn't mean that that's true, but it has to, the, the, the contrast has to be such that it looks like God is so important to you that nothing else matters. Now, I, I know you love your family. I know this. But God has to be so preeminent in your life. And I understand that if you don't have a relationship with someone, it's very difficult to do. So today is a good day for you to start working on your relationship 
with God. And in order to do that is quite simple. The Bible says like this, it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, meaning that you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. And it also says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so our thing is, we want you to be in a position whereby you are in right standing with God. By accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when he... When you accept him, you are then adopted into the family of God. And through that adoption, he reveals to you all that he has for you and will do in your life. Not saying that he will make everything go away and all. No, but he gives you the ability to work through it, overcome it through him. If that is your decision for today... I would love for you to let us know that you make that decision because we want to establish the fact that this is not an individual sport. This is a team event. And we will come around and we will uh, uphold you, uplift you, and assist you along this journey. And to do that, I would love for you to let us know that you made that decision today. Please send us an email at info at GodsHouseCC.com, and that way we can contact you, help you, assist you along this journey. Well, friends and family, that's our first episode of our Family Five. Next week we're going to come back with the second episode. And until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.